there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of the Cognitive Canine, and this is called Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. everybody i just wanted to take a minute before your podcast starts to talk about something very important to me black lives matter i sarah strumming am committed to anti-racism and the companies that i oversee the cognitive canine and cog dog radio are also committed to anti-racism i recognize my privilege here and i recognize that i have a platform where i can use my voice and i intend to do so in such a way that combats systemic racism because it absolutely affects the field of dog training and it's time that everybody with a platform uses it for good. I'm going to link a list of resources for ways that you can support Black, Indigenous, and people of color and also just some educational resources that I've found helpful in my anti-racism journey. And I hope that we can all stand together to dismantle racism in dog training and therefore in the world. Cheers. Hello, my sunshines. I have a timely one, I think, for you today. Timely for me anyway. Um, Podcasting tends to be just a way that I talk about things that are on my mind as they pertain to dog training. And the feedback that I get is that they often wind up being timely for people. And so for whatever reason, that's just kind of how everything falls into place. And so I hope that this one is the same. We're gonna be talking about motivation today, but not really your dog's motivation. We're gonna be talking about yours because in order to be a trainer, in order to get things done in the training realm, you need to be motivated to do so. So just like our dogs, we are under the influence of various motivating operations. And motivating operations are, they're environmental variables that alter the effectiveness of a stimulus as far as it acting as a reinforcer or a motivator. And reinforcers are not the only motivators, so the word motivator works here as an umbrella for things that might motivate us um, through kind of all of the modalities that that would be possible. So we are subject to these changes in our environment that alter motivation, just like our dogs are. And I don't know about you, but this year has been rough, right? I think it's been rough for all of us and it's not gonna change a lot soon either. And so a lot of us are lacking motivation right now because we're realizing that perhaps our true motivators in training have been kind of these arbitrary things that happen. So maybe we're motivated by trying to qualify for a national event. And then 2020 happens and that national event is canceled. Maybe we're motivated to, you know, I know a lot of my friends fought hard for spots on the European Open team 
for this year in the European Open was canceled. And man, that's got to feel really punishing, right? And that's got to feel like, wow, I worked so hard for something that I now can't have. And so it all just kind of adds to what's going on right now, which is seasonal depression, maybe just good old fashioned regular depression, um, pandemic fatigue. We're all really sick of this. We're all really tired of it. Um, And maybe we aren't really focusing on the four steps to behavioral wellness for ourselves as much as we should be. And all of that's going to affect whether we're motivated to head out into the yard and train, right? All of that is going to affect everything. The lack of trials and nationals and kind of events um, in my area is a huge problem. Different parts of the United States are still having trials, um, but in my area, they've been really, really reduced. I think I've done after the pandemic, so kind of after March of this year, I've done one agility trial. And that was relatively recent, and no, I think I've done two. It doesn't matter, but you guys, what we're talking about is two versus normally at this point in the year, I would have done 10, 11, maybe 15. So huge reduction in trial opportunities. Huge reduction in national events, international events, there's just nothing. There's very little going on. And so that's going to affect motivation. It affects mine for sure. I think the uncertainty is a big deal. Will, you know, if you set a goal, will that goal even be attainable due to factors outside of your control? So if you say, you know, I'm going to try out for the FCI team, the world team for 2021, let's say that's what you're thinking. You've got to have a little voice in the back of your head that says, but will my passport work? Will I be able to go to Europe to compete? And will the event even be held? Because the virus is still here. It's in full force. It's in fact here, it's surging again. (laughs) Um, It doesn't look like it's going away or slowing down until, you know, some major worldwide, you know, vaccination efforts are actually possible but things like that take time right so there's an uncertainty if I plan to try out for something you know it feels very vulnerable for me to do that knowing that the event may not even happen and so that's going to kill some motivation it kills it for me a little bit and so what I'm trying to do for myself to stay motivated because I've got two dogs to train Felix is doing beautiful, amazing things in agility in his training world, but there really aren't opportunities to trial and move up and qualify for bigger events with him. And I'm working on his obedience behaviors where he's also doing beautiful things, but again, no trials. Iggy is ready to enter an obedience trial. I've actually, I've entered two this year. The first one was canceled due to the pandemic. The second one, I think will be canceled. Um, It's in a couple of weeks, and I think that's what's going to happen. Um, And so (laughs) I have to just kind of accept that and keep training anyway. So how do I do that? And the why do I have to keep training anyway? Well, I don't have to. 
but it enhances my dog's lives and it enhances mine. And so it's important for me to shift my motivation so that I keep doing it, so that I keep training um, and keep working. And part of that, as cliche as it sounds, is about finding the joy in each day, finding, finding joy in one step at a time. Um, finding goals that are less arbitrary than titles or national events and things like that, finding goals that are more kind of inside yourself is actually a great exercise. It's a good thing to do. Um, and I think it would be healthy for us all going forward. So, you know, what are some examples? Well, for me, um, my goals to do with, say, agility for Felix don't have anything to do with the pieces of paper that you get in the mail. My goal with Felix is to learn how to be the best handler for him that I can be. And then under that, because that's pretty um, vague, I have a bullet list of what that actually means. And one of the things that that means for me is learning to predict the way that he will understand the course so that he doesn't have to predict the way that I understand the course. And if that doesn't make sense to you, don't worry about it. It's pretty, um, it's a little bit of a newer concept for me that I'm really enjoying digging into. I'm learning that we push a lot of our dogs to kind of adjust to us and adjust to what we are able to show them. And I, what I would like for Felix is that he doesn't have to do that. What I would like is for him to be able to rely completely on me to show him what I need him to do so that he never for one second has to think that he has picked the wrong line or something like that. So that's a goal for me with him that has nothing to do with anything other than pushing myself. And I'm finding it quite motivating, um, to be honest. With Iggy, I'm going to train her through utility with excellence. Each piece will have excellence. And what excellence is to me is that she does it with joy and accuracy. If she never actually gets to show in utility because of the pandemic, that's going to be something I'll have to kind of grapple with when the time comes. But I'm choosing to focus on the excellence part rather than the title part. And that's helping me to stay motivated to train her. She also is a genius and is fun to train. And so we're having such, I'm having so much fun training her utility because utility is just some of the coolest stuff that we do. I think in dog sports, those behaviors are so fun. And it's been, it's just been a great fun process that I'm enjoying each step um, that's involved. So finding those arbitrary, finding those goals that are not arbitrary, finding those goals that are process oriented um, and are about yourself and the dog in the moment is going to be important right now because we don't have those other goals to look forward to. Also, sometimes wellness is enough of a goal. So four steps to behavioral wellness, exercise, enrichment, nutrition, communication, um, Achieving wellness for my dogs is always something that is at the forefront of my mind. I want them to have these things and I want them to have these things every day. 
So sometimes all I've got in me is to take them for a walk in the woods. And so I also accept that and I accept that a walk in the woods is not only good enough, but better than what a lot of dogs get. Sometimes wellness is enough and I think everybody needs to kind of take a deep breath on that one and focus on the four steps for yourself as well because they are not specific to dogs. And if you need titles, okay, if you need those pieces of paper, there's a lot of virtual options that I would encourage you to check out. A lot of my friends are doing virtual stuff. They're doing virtual runs at home. They're doing um, maybe trick dog titles, stuff like that. If, if that kind of thing helps keep you motivated, then do it and don't let anybody tell you it's stupid. Okay, it doesn't motivate me very much. So it's not really working for me. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have to like not work for you. You, If you like that piece of paper, if you get a thing in the mail that says your dog got a novice trick dog title or maybe a rally novice title um, by video, frame it, put it in your file folder with all your other pieces of paper, whatever, do whatever, celebrate it. Embrace that as maybe what you needed to train your dog because what happened then was you trained your dog because you had that thing to look forward to. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic, in fact. If the depression is real for you, like it is for me right now, at the end of the day, I hope that you have a dog that will do two things for you, because I really do, and I'm grateful for them. They will push me to get out and move my body and do things with them, because they're not happy for too many days in a row without those things, and that's good for me. But they will also, you know, binge Shit's Creek <laughs> with me in bed if that's what I need to do one day. And that comes back to wellness and it comes back to our relationship and it comes back to the fact that they don't feel desperate because they know that their needs are going to get met so they can hang with me through those times if they need to. And I hope that your dogs do those things too. I hope your dogs both push you and also let you breathe sometimes. And I hope that that is also how you treat yourself. All right, I've got a few Patreon questions for you. This one comes from Grace. Grace asks, I have a question about picky eaters and or lack of food motivation. How do you deal with this problem once any health concerns have been ruled out and it appears to be behavioral? I've seen you discuss border collies that won't eat before, so I wonder how you approach this. So Grace, it very much is situational. Um, how I deal with it, but a lot of dogs, I will simply insist that they eat before they get to do other things. Most of my border collies go through a period of time where they have to eat before they can get out of the crate. They have to eat before they can, um, you know, get out and go on their walk. They have to eat before I take their leash off. Um, and what I'm actually doing is I'm helping them to turn on the right mechanism to be able to consume food in those moments. But I don't actually know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm talking about dogs that would rather run and be wild and be crazy, which is incompatible with eating. And so I have to shape the eating behavior in the face of those kinds of, um, I, I guess, distractions. But you, you could be talking about anything else. I wouldn't call those dogs picky. I would call those dogs um, just kind of unwilling to 
switch on the correct mechanism to eat in those highly arousing situations. If a dog just doesn't like food, like a dog maybe doesn't, um, just doesn't eat well for training, doesn't feel super motivated in training, it all depends on so many other things. So if the dog is generally healthy, that doesn't mean that what you're feeding them is right for them, though. So I have had client dogs who were just on a food that they they didn't entirely agree with, they didn't love it, and when we switched the dog to a different diet, their appetite improved immensely. Um, I've had dogs that just kind of weren't super hungry as puppies and a lot of that is that we're always trying to feed them with our hand to their mouth so if you actually just switch to putting the food on the floor while they build that kind of eye mouth coordination that they don't have naturally and that um, slower maturing dogs or breeds take longer to get then you're not kind of fighting that losing battle. So what you're hearing from me, Grace, is that there's a variety of reasons that food can be affected by those motivating operations that we talked, I just talked about in this episode. Um, and you need to really dive in and explore what of those things is affecting your situation um, and, and which ones can you alter. So if you are talking about those dogs that are just kind of too cracked out <laughs> to eat, I start by insisting that they eat. Um, and no, you can't just show up at your trailhead tomorrow and expect the dog to eat if you've never asked them to eat there before, which is why this is good to do from day one. But if you haven't done that, you're gonna need to build it up slowly. And building it up slowly might look like you're at home, you put your hand on the crate, the dog kind of gets up and is like, oh, we get to come out and you just reach food in there. And if he eats, he gets to come out. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. But that's not a behavior modification plan. That's kind of a bare bones beginning. And depending on what's going on, if the puppy is super young, I'd give them some time. Um, if the dog is finicky with all food, I would switch the diet. I would try a fresh food diet. There are a lot of different things to try. So thanks for your question, Grace. The next one comes from Elise. Elise asks, uh, use of predictability and no choice moment with the car. When using a no choice moment, do you ever surprise the dog by not doing the thing that sucks? If I put a leash on and put you in the car, a strong dislike, is it helpful or hurtful to say surprise and then let them out a second later? Is predictability good for no choice moments or am I best to avoid car rides and all the positive places and experiences they bring us until she will load voluntarily? Um, so I don't avoid it. Until the dog will load voluntarily, I just make it a no-choice moment, as you've alluded to. And I absolutely would not um, vary up what happens. I, predictability is 100% your friend in this situation. The dog needs to know for sure they're just getting in the car now and you're just driving them somewhere now. Okay? But Elise added some notes here. So it's a five-month-old border collie and they're actively training choice of getting in. That's good. You should be training it. I'm addressing what I believe to be the root cause of the behavior, which is nausea with meds. Um, and it's not an issue in any other crate. If the puppy is nauseated though, make sure that it is truly, um, truly being treated severe, like with real medication, with prescription anti-nausea medication, not Dramamine, not Benadryl. Okay, does that make sense? So not over-the-counter prescription level um, anti-nausea meds. And then maybe anxiety meds too. So I definitely want to treat this with medication first. Um, and then yes, I will have, if the dog has to get in the car, it is a no choice moment and it is very predictable and you will be in the car 
the entire time um, after I put you in the car. Okay, that's not, if you do that kind of surprise thing, I think you're muddying the waters. I think you're really running a risk of kind of them feeling tricked then on those moments when you don't do the surprise piece. Um, so Elise, thanks for your question. I hope that that helped. All right, last one comes from Caitlin. Caitlin is asking about in the tonic podcast, Jen was told to step into tonic when he thought slash made those punching bitey choices. If you guys haven't listened to tonic um, parts one, two, and three, this may not make sense to you. Tonic would punch at and leap at um, his handler and I instructed her to step into his space. That is not a behavior modification route. That is a safety route. That is a get out of dodge route. Does that make sense? So that may help Caitlin understand my answer too, which is that that was not the plan. That was a what to do in the moment plan. Caitlin continues, what are options for dogs who don't yield to pressure? And I happen to know that Caitlin breeds Belgians, so here we are. <laughs> so I have a puppy owner with a classic case of worked up bitey Belgian. Dog in question is a year old, 65 pound intact male Belgian grown, grown doll. I cannot say that word, you guys, who has taken to treating his petite owner as a decoy. He still thinks pressure is a fun challenge to work through. She's looking potentially pursuing private coaching. So Caitlin, right. I specifically said in the podcast that the reason this would be effective for Tonic is he's a border collie. They are designed to yield to pressure. It's one of the things that is challenging about them in certain situations. And one of the things that's really great about them in other situations, Belgians, their love for pressure, their love to fight really helps you in some situations, really hurts you in others. And this would be one of those situations. I would say that what she does in that exact moment is whatever she has to do to keep herself safe in that moment. And I don't care what it is, right? So you can, <laughs> you, you can talk that out with her. She can um, have a chat with me, but whatever you need to do in that moment to keep you safe is what you do. And that's what Jen did with tonic. That was the, the best route was step into his space. And then you need a behavior modification plan. You need a whole plan otherwise, because this problem's coming from somewhere and it is, it's a created problem. Um, and it needs to be addressed in a very real way and how to respond to it as it's happening is never going to be how you address it in a real way. And that's it for Patreon questions. Thanks, you all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe in the podcast app of your choice. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, being a part of the CogDoc Radio community, and getting access to all kinds of extras, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio to become a patron. 